Our scripture lesson this morning is from the Gospel of Mark. I'll be reading from the 12th chapter, verses 1 through 12. Listen now for God's word to us. Then Jesus began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to the tenants and went to another country. When the season came, he sent a slave to the tenants to collect from them his share of the produce of the vineyard. But they seized him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And again he sent another slave to them. This one they beat over the head and insulted. Then he sent another, and that one they killed. And so it was with many others, some they beat and others they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they seized him, killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. When they realized that he had told this parable against them, they wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowd. So they left him and went away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I was filled with anxiety on Wednesday afternoon last week, and for the longest time I couldn't nail down what was causing it. I tried several explorations to attempt to get to the bottom of this. I took stock of my to-do list. No, all of it was doable. I walked around my home to see if it was possibly a lingering project. No, not that either. I took a stroll around my block. Maybe it's the new construction two blocks over. No, not that. Finally, now anxious about my anxiety, I opened my calendar and there was the source in plain view. On my calendar for Wednesday evening was our church's conversation about the book and movie Just Mercy. That's it. There is my anxiety. That pit in the depth of my being began to pulsate and bubble up to the surface. But why? I asked myself. I'm certainly not anxious about opportunities our church community has to connect with one another. I've read the book and watched the movie. I feel confident about my ability to participate in the conversation. Then, in an instant, I realized the true source of my anxiety. Underneath all the things I enjoy, I discovered that I was anxious to share vulnerably. I was worried that I might be invited to talk about my own experiences that might cause others to look at me differently. I might not be as woke as, as others expect of me, or I may be more woke than our culture considers acceptable. Our culture has told us that sharing is vulnerable, and vulnerability is not an acceptable posture for how we connect to one another. Our inability to or fear of sharing vulnerably has caused us to not experience God's presence in the holy diversity of God's intimate relationship with us. And sometimes 
we do not realize that God is right in front of us. The Westminster Shorter Catechism asks, what is the chief end of humanity? Its response, as I suspect some of you know, is to glorify God and enjoy God forever. Enjoying God is a difficult concept for me. How can I enjoy God when the world around me is in turmoil? How can I enjoy God when I can barely turn on the television news? How can I enjoy God when so many people are losing their job, when a friend is sick with the virus, and my beloved neighbor is becoming older and less mobile? It almost seems taboo to enjoy God. How can I enjoy God when I'm expected to provide for my family, be a bedrock for my employees, and make sound investments in a volatile stock market? Our culture does not invite us to enjoy God. It invites us instead to enjoy temporal success. And yes, God is wrapped up in our successes and our failures. God is always present with us no matter the outcome. This does not mean that God is like a celestial vending machine, only doling out what you ask for if you pay the right price. Instead, we enjoy God when we recognize God in the simplest ways that may not matter one bit to our ongoing success or prosperity. In a meaningful interaction, free from the trappings of everything that demands our attention, or we might recognize God when a new child or a grandchild smiles at us. Our Christian word for this recognizing God is grace. It is love. God's love is found in the places where God resides, and God resides in the unlikeliest of places. The good news of grace and the good news of the gospel is that God's love, God's grace, is all around us. It's everywhere, and it's in every one of us. And in Christ, God instituted a new way of relationship with God that was right here, right in front of us, within us and all around us. God became flesh and lived among us, and because we know God, we have met God in the person of Jesus. We are free, we are liberated to enjoy God and to know the imminence and intimacy of grace in our lives. The Gospel of Mark shows us that God is ushering in God's reign through the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Christ's life and ministry is a signal of the new age that is reestablishing God's purpose in the world, God's very reign in our hearts and on this earth. Our text for the day occurs just after Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, which we celebrate every year on Palm Sunday, and it inaugurates the events of Holy Week. Jesus' triumphal entry where Jesus' followers place their cloaks on the ground yelling, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, is the height of his opposition to the priests, scribes, and elders to whom he tells this parable. Jesus escalates tension between the priests, scribes, and elders who protect tradition and the new age Jesus brings about by telling a parable where this stark contrast cannot be mistaken. A rich man leaves his vineyard in the hands of others, then leaves for another country. When the landowner wishes to cash in on his crop, 
He sends his servants to collect his holdings from those tending his fields, and the tenants take matters into their own hands. The servants are beaten, maimed, injured, and killed, so that the tenants could feel the perceived security of possessing something that is not theirs at all. This seemingly compassionate landowner, undeterred by his lessee's frailties, sends one more person, whom the text describes as a beloved son, to, to attempt to collect what is rightfully his. The tenants kill the beloved son as well. Jesus makes the teaching of this parable clear with a quote from Psalm 118. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus vulnerably shares the truth of his existence and ministry to show the priests, scribes, and elders the truth of their frailty. God loves the world to come in the person of Jesus. And yet those who claim to love God the most and loathe the most about God have not recognized the very presence of God in their midst. These public pastors and theologians could not enjoy the physical presence of God because they were so wrapped up in protecting what they thought to be true, right, or comfortable. So much so that they could not recognize God right in front of their eyes. Instead of placing their cloaks on the ground and shouting, Hosanna, they will beat him, they will maim him, they will injure him, and they will kill him to preserve the security of their perceived homeostasis. Coming to the Table RVA, an organization co-founded by Danita Green and FPC member Martha Rollins, facilitated our conversation on Just Mercy that occurred last Wednesday evening. The group was divided in virtual circles for conversation that left me challenged, humbled, and caused me to deeply enjoy God. My anxiety was quelled through an environment of love, grace, acceptance, and hope. We broke into these facilitated small group circles to hear one another's responses to three questions around themes from Just Mercy, narrative, proximity, and hope. These facilitators were all trained by coming to the table to hold space for vulnerable conversations, and each circle was joined by an ambassador, someone from the black community who has been trained as an accompanier in majority white conversations. My group was comprised of five members of the FPC community, and we shared deeply about our experiences of the narrative of race in our lives, proximity to a person or people who are different than us, and the hope we see in the world right now. Through honest and vulnerable conversations with trusted friends in my circle, around these themes that bubble up from just mercy, I came to understand that the anxiety I felt earlier that day was not a unique experience. Each one of us carry anxieties, fears, and emotions about the world and what we wish it could be. We also carry the baggage of our experiences, our choices, and our families of origin. God sees all of that, and God loves us despite those things we have done and left undone. And we are invited 
to see God, the God we know in Christ, who is right in front of us with arms extended wide enough for each one of us to be embraced and called God's beloved. I am so excited about these ongoing conversations with Coming to the Table RVA because not only did we discuss the important issues of race and its searing history in our community, but we also created space where we could see God's handiwork in other people, some we know and others we just met. I enjoyed God in that space because my anxieties were held by God and by the members of my circle, and they were accepted and used to point me toward new understandings of community and all the ways God grafts us together to be Christ's hands and feet in this place. The Episcopal priest and preacher Barbara Brown Taylor writes about a stick in her book, An Altar in the World, A Geography of Faith. Brown Taylor is renowned for her command of image to clue us into God's presence in our lives. She writes, If you look at a stick long enough, you are bound to begin making a character in your own story. It will begin to remind you of someone you know or a piece of furniture you once saw in a craft co-op. There is nothing wrong with these associations except that they take you away from the stick and back to yourself. To pronounce a blessing on something, it is important to see it as it truly is. What purpose did this stick serve? Did a bird sit on it? Did it bear leaves that sheltered the ground from the hottest summer sun? At the very least, it participated in the deep mystery of drawing water from the ground, defying the law of gravity to deliver moisture to its leaves. How does a stick do that, especially one this size? Smell it. Is the scent of sap still there? This is no less than the artery of a tree that you were holding in your hand. Its tissue has come from the sun and from the earth. Put it back where you found it and it will turn back into earth again, dust to dust and ashes to ashes. Will you say a blessing first? No one can hear you. So you may say whatever you like. Bless you, stick, for being you. Blessed are you, O stick, for turning dirt and sun into wood. Blessed are you, Lord God, for using this stick to stop me in my tracks. Start throwing blessings around, and chances are you start noticing all kinds of things you never noticed before. Church, God, the God we know in Jesus Christ, is intimately interwoven in the fabric of our collective existence. We see evidence of this in the miracle of nature. The gift of blessing, all that, uh, all that is, underscores the reality exposed by Christ in today's parable. The tenants could not recognize the face of God in the slaves or the beloved son, they were so wrapped up in their striving for success that they were unable to take a half step back and see that those servants and that beloved son were not their enemy. They were the face of God. They did not see the blessedness of another person, let alone a stick. And God does not want us to simply please God so that we might receive some eternal reward. Instead, God desires for us to recognize the presence of God in every person we encounter. 
When we do this, we can be open to proximate living that reveals the truth of the living presence of God we meet in servants of beloved sons, vulnerability, and sticks. We are invited every day to recognize God in one another. And when we do, we might discover we are indeed enjoying God because God, the God we know in Jesus Christ, is right beside us, before us, behind us, and all around us, all along the way. Amen.